Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. How's it going? Not too shabby. We've got a pretty jam-packed show tonight, actually, and uh, you've brought some games to the table that like I haven't even heard of, so I'm super stoked to talk about what we've actually been playing this week. So, Ryan, tell me about Poly Bridge 2. Mm. Like, what? What is this? <laughs> so, uh, aptly named because it is a game where you construct bridges out of oh. polygons. And oh, it's a sequel. okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, poly, is that like, like plastic, like polymers? Like, are they bouncy bridges? Like, you I can make bouncy <laughs> bridges. You can. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, I I remember when Polybridge came out and I it reminded me I do me not of, at all when you said this was Polybridge <laughs> 2 I was like there was a Polybridge 1 I was uh at the start of Polybridge Oh my god did uh, you talk about Polybridge 1 and I just totally forgot It was a long it. time ago Josh if you oh, okay. if you remembered every game I talked about and I remembered every game you talked about uh we would have really good memories and I don't think we have that any longer right Yeah <laughs> okay, good. So no no issues here, but but okay. at the beginning of Polybridge, basically, uh, no, I was going to make a, a, a reference to what we're going to talk about later, but I, I'll just talk about Polybridge too. So um, Polybridge 1, really, when I first saw it, it really reminded me of um, old school Flash games like that are physics-based, where you're trying to build a bridge uh, across a, a cavern, and it, and it, you know, it you have to build it in such a way that the car gets across without it breaking and you you know you can you get different tools you can make i remember like a specific exercise in school where it's like okay now you're gonna build a bridge out of like popsicle sticks and and see how much weight it can hold and all that fun Mm -hmm. like little science experiments like that so then when i saw polybridge uh one and played that and it was essentially like an upgraded version of that and I really dug it. And then when I found out there was a sequel coming out, um, I was also pumped to play it because I remember really enjoying sort of the physics puzzle of building this bridge. And it's got some amazing tools to to build your bridges. And it very starts it starts out very simple that you just it's like, okay, here's you you've got a, a cavern, you're gonna build a bridge across, you're given road and you're given wood to structurally support the bridge. And, um, you know, draw, it's a straight line. You draw the road across, you do your triangles because triangles are, as you know, the most powerful shape in the, uh, in the universe. You're aware of that, Obviously. right? Obviously. Yeah, of course. Triangles. There, there are triangles and there are trillions of triangles in that new Unreal Engine. I mean, why do you think they chose triangles? It's because they're, uh, uh, there's probably actual re- 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 Power re- shapes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So in this instance, in Polybridge 2, you start out very simple. Now, if if uh, if someone's asking, like, well, Ryan, is it just a game where you build uh, very simple bridges across caverns? Uh, I'd say no, that, that wouldn't be very fun after a little while. It gets pretty much, pretty complex after that. So they get you through the tutorial and you're building, you know, a bridge across, like, a, on a slope. And then you're uh, you're building a bridge with you know uh, supports from underneath. You're building bridges, you know, suspension bridges, and and it keeps going and going. Then you're building draw bridges. So you're having to figure out sort of which way the draw comes out because you see a boat coming forward, 
and it just keeps getting more and more intense afterwards to the point where you're having to balance different vehicles that you're having to send to different endpoints uh, on the other side. So you're building bridges that have to accommodate uh, cars and uh, coming from above and coming from below, and you're kind of building with mechanics and stuff. There are jumps, so you have to like build uh, specific jumps for characters to go across like caverns and stuff. So I thought, I mean, that was a lot of fun. Really tough, too. I mean, surprisingly, to figure out how to get a car to land properly on the other side without it crashing and or breaking the bridge <laughs> on the other side. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's such a good, just a, it's a small experience that is very light. Uh, and, and you know, I've been trying to, to crash through uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, in preparation for The Last of Us Part 2. So I feel like Polybridge 2 is going to be a really good uh, chaser game to kind of like move away from uh, not only the PlayStation 4 and the couch, but but also move away from what is probably going to be a very intense experience uh, in, a, in just a couple of days. So I, so I have been enjoying sort of the, the quieter uh, sort of solace of building these bridges. Rather poorly, I might add. I'm not very... I'm not an engineer, you know, um, it'd be really interesting. Uh, of course, this is a game supported by, uh, it's got, it's got workshop support and stuff. So I'm sure there are people out there that are building these fantastic, amazing bridges. And I just watched the launch trailer again, and it's got like some crazy contraptions there. And, and I've, I'm fine not being able to get to that point. Like I'm, I'm happy if I build a bridge and the car gets across. I don't even care if the thing falls apart after the car gets across. I'm just happy that the car gets across, uh, which has happened before. Like literally, uh, nobody let Ryan build any sort of bridge IRL. I'm just, fine with that. Just don't do it. I feel like these games exist specifically so that I'm comfortable not becoming a bit a, a, bi- a bridge builder. <laughs> you know, like you play Sim City, and it's like, man. I run a shit town. <laughs> There's traffic jams and like I should not be in urban planning. <laughs> exactly. There is just nuclear waste everywhere. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> you know? And uh I think the world is a happier place because I, I I'm able to to do that in a video game. Um but it's like any other puzzle game where that the satisfaction of finishing a level and the fun you get from trying different different things and and you know when when a, and this is the cool thing about building bridges is that when they do collapse uh you well building bridges in this game is that when they do <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised you didn't stop me the there the great thing about bridges is when they collapse what? in the it, like in the video so in the video game uh, in polybridge 2 i might add when the bridge collapses and it will it will collapse because it's very much a trial and error for for me specifically because you get into the more complex levels where you're having to okay you you have a long span but there's a rock in the middle that you can use as a brace but there's no brace points so you have to build a structure that kind of is like a floating bridge over top of the rock and uh as you build you see this like pressure meter and obviously when it reaches a hundred uh the bridge or that part specifically will will break and cause the whole bridge to come down most likely. So when the car is going across, you see that sort of movement in the scale. And then if the bridge does snap and then you go back into the editor, it'll show you exactly which part broke, which is key to the way uh, most people will probably play this game is through trial and error. So you'll see, okay, that wood piece broke because all the pressure was being put on that point. 
so I can upgrade it for steel and see if that helps sort of reinforce the rest of the bridge. And that impacts uh, the cost of your bridge because you want to be under budget. That's part of the, the metric of, of success is if you're under budget. And then obviously if the bridge doesn't collapse, they, they do want you to have a bridge that stays up for more than <laughs> one car. Uh, I was going to say, I can definitely build an under budget bridge <laughs> if that's the only stipulation. <laughs> <laughs> well, the main thing is you got to get the car across across the road, right? Um, but you, you do when you do finish a level, you do see like a lot of other people's successes and you do see them. And sometimes it's like, they literally built like a slack bridge with no support that just is just like sort of a, a big U. And I don't know how a car gets across it, but evidently they're way under budget. But anything over a, a you know, a, a beetle goes over that thing and it's and they're going in the drink. Right. So it it is a lot. It's a lot of fun. And so it's, you get it's a to good you get to see other people's solutions to the same problem. Yeah. So once you finish uh, a level, it kind of says, "Hey, you did it," and then it presents you with other people's solutions, and you can see them in what they call the gallery. So when you click through to the gallery, you can see other people who have completed that level, and you can click on their solutions and watch a video of how of how they did. And, uh, Do you find yeah. that it's often significantly different than what you did, or are a lot of the constructions similar? I, most of the, I've, I've only been able to get through the first world, so there are four worlds, and the first one is very much a tutorial sort of situation. And most of the times, the other solutions were either wildly simpler because they tricked, they figured out a way to get under budget and and just do the bare minimum and most of the times they are very similar to the structure that i've built because it's a it's kind of a it's fairly simple well for most of the world one stuff it's it's like one solution fits fits the the scenario outside of maybe um a couple of them where like for example it says like hey you've got uh, limited resources so the only way this car is getting across is if you build a jump so depending Mm. on how you build that jump and the angle of both the uh off-ramp and the on-ramp um you could have some different scenarios there but for the most part in world one they're very similar and from what i've seen going into world two three and four they're more um they're they're more unique scenarios uh, that are going to call for more creative solutions um where maybe a simple bridge could do the job but maybe the simpler option that would that would require less sort of like tweaking is a more creative sort of a a situation or solution to get, get through it. But um, yeah, I I think the mechanics of it are really cool. There's uh, you know, there, there are drawbridge mechanics and you can apply that um, to, to any point on the bridge, as long as it, the physics work. And there's also springs uh, to sort of help with the, with you know cars landing on the bridge to give them more support and stuff and uh there's also rope uh and you can do steel rope as well so if you're building suspension bridges you can use ropes to kind of hold the bridge so there's a lot of like um there's a lot of call for building you know support bridges where you've got like sort of an arch on both sides and you've got the the rope sort of holding it back i mean anybody who who has or studied building bridges is probably listening to this and like oh my gosh ryan do not build bridges (laughs) Uh, because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just building things that hopefully the cars get across. And really, I'm just doing it to spec on the car they're providing because there are different weight classes for the cars they try to put across. Um, some of them, like, they go up to, like, dump truck size. 
and uh, that one did not go well on the first couple times because I'd been so used to just putting across cars. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's a good uh, it's a good sort of break. I've been really I've been really digging sort of the quieter uh, the quieter uh, just a quieter game really because everything is just yeah. so like noisy in comparison to this like really relaxed like the music's really calm and the graphics are really calm like it's a it's more it of a colorful like a spiritual successor to like animal crossing <laughs> yeah except you know it doesn't cost you uh a hundred thousand dollars to to build a bridge and it doesn't take a whole day to do it i mean these levels are very <laughs> uh very bite size and uh it's just got some charm to it and i can't wait to get into the more complex levels because some of the levels in the trailer are look pretty pretty wild and and there was a couple other games like this another one that came out more recently would have been the portal version it was like portal bridge constructor and it had a sort of a similar vibe to it where you're building bridges with you know portal mechanics i don't even know if it might have been the same company because it was very similar uh but yeah it's it's a lot of fun i'm gonna play a little bit more of it uh, the cool stuff that you might dig on it, it's got some some Twitch integrations. So there's an extension you can get to have like your your viewers, I think, interact with the game in a way where they're oh, like cool. helping you design the bridge as you go. Um, I don't know a whole lot about that specific part, but I know there are there are there's like a Twitch extension that that can kind of bring your 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 viewers in, which is really neat as well. Yeah, there's been more and more of that uh, lately with these kind of like smaller indie type experiences that are creating a really interesting atmosphere for like playing and interacting directly with the stream as opposed to, you know, like, I mean, Twitch streamers have been doing, you know, like polls, like what should I play? What character should <laughs> I play? What decisions should I make? And then, you know, there's always the disconnect because there's just delays on Twitch. Even if you don't stream with a delay, there just naturally is a delay for your content to get out to the viewer and then for them to respond and you to see it and you to act on it and everything else. So it can create a lot of um, like dead time in a stream. So uh, anything where you can actually like interact directly with what the streamer is doing is really, really cool. And there's more and more of those kinds of experiences. So I might uh, I might check this out because uh, I'm looking for more stuff to do. Yeah, I think that uh, specifically this one, if you're looking to stream something a little quieter, um, it might be a might be a fun thing to do with uh, with the viewers and kind of interact in that way. I think I think you're right. Like, do they have to own the game, or they just have to like um, my download the extension or enable the extension? Or my understanding is that, and here's the thing, I so. Uh, yeah, so it says it's a Twitch extension that allows streamers and viewers to collaborate in real time. And I mean, I'm not a Twitch streamer, um, but I would imagine it doesn't it just work where you you have the extension and then they just interact through through your stream stream. Is that not how extensions work? I don't uh, know. Generally, yeah, that's how extensions work. I just don't know how like the feedback would get back to the streamer. Like, would that show up in my game, or is it more like a kind of like a jackbox experience where we're all kind of like playing together on a central platform like i don't know but um, okay so i sounds here's, cool anyway yeah so basically so here's the website copy so essentially let your viewers build with you in real time viewers get a panel extension which is a simplified version of the game uh with which they can modify your existing design or start one from scratch once a viewer is happy with their bridge design they can submit it directly to you in game and it will appear in your list of suggestions so uh, okay so that sounds when they say 
That sounds super cool in a way that isn't like actually messing with what I'm trying to do because I can see trying to play a game and having an entire chat room of people trying to to do it for me or make suggestions or whatever. And that would be super frustrating if they could actually interact because, you know, everyone would just build wieners because wieners <laughs> like I, I mean realistically, like, have you seen Twitch chat? Have you been in a big Twitch chat? I, it would be wieners everywhere. I see. Here's the thing. And I think this is why I mean, why I appreciate a, at least a, if it's just suggestions, then you don't actually have to show them on stream. Yeah, no, that is true. So, I mean, it, yeah, it sounds like it's very easy for you to set up and very and listeners just or the viewers just kind of like, I don't think they have to download anything. They just kind of like click through on the stream. Yeah, it but, sounds like it's uh, yeah, it sounds that's like it's pretty, something built into Twitch. It's pretty crazy that they they basically built like a simplified version of the of the editor into Twitch that can then connect yeah. directly to your game. So that sounds really cool. I mean, yeah, there is a possibility of of uh, of wieners, uh, wiener bridges. <laughs> There's always a possibility of wieners, but, not I mean, the show title. <laughs> no, not the show title. And before Twitch or, or before our Discord gets a handle, it, I will just get ahead of it. It's like wieners could be structurally sound as a bridge. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all I'll say because I just want but to get usually unnecessary. Un- oh, incredibly unnecessary! And I would hope that they have a wiener Probably detector. Probably way over budget. Probably over. <laughs> I don't know why it's funny, but it is. <laughs> and again, getting ahead of uh, of Discord, <laughs> talking about the episode. Um, but yeah, Polybridge too. It's a lot of fun, and uh, you should be fine just you know hopefully hopefully people don't do that that sounds that sounds like sounds like twitch chat but hopefully they wouldn't do that <laughs> twitch chat would totally do that uh you're also finishing up uh the final fantasy 7 remake like are you close to the end or like I'm, what are your what are your thoughts i'm very close i think i'm so i'm i think i'm in the second last chapter and i i, I briefly talked to you about this pre-show but um, we're going to use this as a springboard to talk about, uh, the last of us part two, which is coming out on Friday. Uh, and I am trying to finish final fantasy seven remake before that happens, because I don't know if I'll finish it. If, uh, if I start playing another game on the PS4, I kind of have like, a this is my console game for this console. Right. I'm playing <laughs> Cause I have very limited time. No one has time to switch discs. It's not going to work. Uh, but with final fantasy seven remake, I've gotten to the point where it's the second last chapter. I'm heading into the final, this you're going into this area to save this lady and do the thing and you're going to be great. Uh, but this is the point of no return. And as soon as, as soon as that message pops up, it's like, Hey, we should help all these people. So I, I immediately thought of you and I was like, all right, we're doing the final mission. And then all of a sudden, but here's 11 other things you could do. And if you don't do them, that's fine. But these people could really use your help. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I've I've now proceeded to run around and, and start doing those quests while while the the lady I'm supposed to save and the world I'm supposed to save, I think. It's kind of hard to understand whether the world's in peril in this game. I, I'm thinking it is. Uh, the characters, some you know, there's one character who's like the world is ending, but everyone else is like, nah, it's cool. So I, <laughs> I, I'm sure there are folks who have played Final Fantasy can you know, can fill me in on no, the world is actually ending. And maybe once I finish it, it's like, oh, it was, 
actually ending. It's a good thing we uh, we beelined it to the end to <laughs> to save it. But as of I right now, I wish like they maybe if if developers like put more of those moments where they're like, okay, you know, you're gonna move on from this section of the game, which is actually kind of interesting because Days Gone kind of did that, and then I didn't like it, but. I don't know. It just it feels so weird and jarring. And it's always going to be something I rail against in games where, you know, they're like, oh, my God, the world is ending. You have to go and do this thing. But also save the chickens. Yeah. No, (laughs) like this lady over here could use her bedroom painted. (laughs) And, you know, like. (laughs) and the funny thing is you pulled saving the chicken out of your hat uh, as an example. But literally one of the quests is finding chocobos. which oh are the God. Final Fantasy chickens. <laughs> so, but, and I'm glad I brought this up because, again, like I was playing it and I immediately thought, oh, Jocelyn would hate this. You know? <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> I'm literally oh searching for chickens and having to give them a specific type of turnip so they come with me back to the the, the chicken farm. Um, and, and in this specific instance, those chickens unlock and Final Fantasy folks are screaming at their podcasts. They're not chickens, they're chocobos. I mean, they're they're just giant chickens, really. They're giant chickens. Yeah, yeah I I've mean, seen a chocobo. I know. This is like when we talk about Star Wars. Like they're just, we're not. Star <laughs> well, they're probably. Yeah, I mean, they're they're giant, but they're probably closer to like ostriches than yes. chickens. But but they. But I'll allow the chicken comparison. Yeah, they. I mean, yeah, I can I can see the 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 ostrich in terms of the size, but really in terms of behavior, sound and and look and feel. Oh and god, they else. sound like chickens. Yeah, they're chickens. <laughs> um, you know. I'll take a chocobo over a chicken any day. I grew up on a farm. Chickens are disgusting. Um, <laughs> just throwing it out there. <laughs> Not lying. Most farm animals are. Uh, delicious, though. Um, but no, in Final Fantasy VII Remake, yeah, you are literally finding these chickens. But what it does is uh, finding these chocobos, it does unlocks like fast travel for the first time. So you can clean up uh, these final sort of optional quests. These are optional. Uh, but you know, I'm just, I'm trying to experience the, the, the full experience. So I'm just going through and I'm doing these quests, but I I have a feeling I'm very close. I'm probably a couple more days in and then I'll have finished it. Um, and, uh, I will patiently wait two decades for the second part as is tradition. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, the reason that you're trying to clear this out and finish off this experience is because you're looking forward to last of us part two on Friday. Now, I, so. <laughs> I have. I was gonna say I have still not pre-ordered it, uh-huh. and the reviews seem. I mean, the the reviews are interesting, and this is kind of why I want to talk about stuff because the reviews are coming in, and they're kind of polarized. From what I've seen, the content of the reviews tends to be the same. But the score at the end is different. And the Mm -hmm. reason why seems to be because everyone seems to be able to agree that Last of Us Part 2 is an extraordinarily dark game. Like, dark and bad in terms of, like, the worst of the worst of humanity on display. And it seems like some reviewers are like, it's so powerful, 10 out of 10. And other reviewers are like, I didn't need to see that. I almost threw up 6 out of 10. And there doesn't really seem to be a lot in between. And at first, when I, when the reviews first started coming out, because the embargo was lifted, um, I guess, four days ago now, mm-hmm. the reviews that I first saw 
were like the really bad ones were the were the sixes and sevens because you know like okay yeah the game is fine but like (laughs) this is not a story that needed to be told and i feel like that's probably the camp i would land in right now like you were just talking about polybridge 2 how it's like relaxing and colorful and has this great soundtrack and you know like you're flexing your brain muscles but you're not actually you know like it's not a, a super hardcore like big story game right and then, like, I feel like that's that's what I kind of want out of my mm-hmm. games right now. I don't know if I have the emotional capacity to play Last of Us 2 because of what it seems like the reviewers can agree on, which is that it's a very bleak game. It's, you know, there aren't a whole lot of um, redeeming plot points. And from the sounds of it, too, they're saying there also isn't any humor to it at any mm. point like there there's kind of no levity upsides? like levity yeah it's just it's just dark and a downer See, and so are you are you still stoked on last of us part two because i'm i'm having second thoughts here uh, well a couple points i think then uh so specifically for me with last of us part two i stopped watching trailers and marketing as much as i could uh, after the yeah, I don't think I watched anything after the very first announcement. Like the yeah. first announcement, they were like, "Blah, we're doing this," and then it was like I remember, like the main chick like sitting on a bed in a dark room or something. Yeah, she's playing guitar. She clearly playing guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. That's that's the only content I have seen for Last of Us Part Two. I think I think I've seen the one after that, which really which was the first gameplay, which did unveil sort of pull back the curtains on just how violent the game was and. um Really, the the first one was violent as well. It had it, and that was surprising at the time in the sense that it it had really ratcheted up some of the some of the the way you were taking out enemies, and not just specifically with gunplay, but the close you know uh, melee combat, which was very violent. And you saw a bit of that in that second trailer, and and it was very surprising. There was specific moments with a hammer uh, that that was pretty violent, and. I stopped watching after that because I was, I think for me, I have this existing relationship with, you know, uh, Ellie and Joel, the characters from the first one mm-hmm. that where their story is going to be continued here. And and I've played, you know, I'm not, you know, trying to say like, oh, you can't enjoy the second one unless you play the first one. I'm sure they have a bridge there that you can just jump right into the second one. But the time spent in the first one has built this relationship with these characters where I'm... I'm able to look at these reviews that, and and hear because so, I haven't read the reviews, but hear some of the the comments of the violence and just it being a bleak and dark game, but still understand it's a continuation of a story of these characters I I really enjoy, really enjoy, and is probably on point considering what they went through in that first game and then probably what they went through between the two games, but at the end of the day, like hearing there might be a lack of of uh, levity and and sort of humor that. That is alarming because the first game had that. the The first game had those moments where you did a thing that was very brutal or violent or uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, it was a narrow escape or something. There were moments afterwards that it was like a roller coaster of emotion. Like it was, it was very violent or brutal or just yeah intense and then they'd have a a downer where you're doing the walk and talk or you're finding a funny comic or you're talking about what coffee is and and i i really enjoyed that you need at least in my opinion you kind of need those things to happen Mm -hmm. 
in a game because I, I think if this is going to be a, however long it is, call it a 20 hour experience yeah. that's just violent and dark and bleak and, you know, doesn't offer those those moments to kind of pause and reflect and process then that's going to be a really hard experience for me to get through, especially and not to go into to too much stuff here, but especially like right now where mm-hmm. all the stuff that we're dealing with in the real world, like I'm looking for escapism more than anything else. And I, the world I want to escape to is not dark and bleak and sad, you know? Yeah. And, <laughs> and I mean, if there aren't any moments to stop and pause and reflect, then I think the the purpose of showing some of those bleak moments like if you don't ever come away from that it's like your characters don't necessarily have a chance to do that themselves and Mm. then maybe don't grow and that was my big problem for a while on walking dead and Mm. again we're not obviously we're not a a walking dead podcast we're not even a tv and movie podcast i'm not going to go too deep into that at all but for quite a while on that show and one of the reasons i walked away is because it was just like what is the most terrible, dark, shocking thing we could possibly do on and get away with on television? Let's do that. And then the next week, okay, how do we top what we did last week? And it's like, guys, like just let your characters process, like yeah. let them grow as people and learn and, you know, like let's see some some happier sides and like can't they find anything in this new world to look forward to and you know like all of those themes are missing through a lot of seasons of walking dead and i think they've kind of found their stride again now but like i stopped watching the show because that's what it was it was dark and bleak and sad over and over and over to the point of like anxiety inducing and i'm like i don't want that in my pop culture like i want to escape like i don't play games to be shown that people can be crap i know people can be crap we see that every day like so i don't know and again like we didn't get review copies we've not played any of it we've stayed mostly away but i just wanted to kind of get your take because i was um with all of the positivity and everybody saying what an amazing game the first last of us was or i guess just the last of us um <laughs> the first, the last? first, the first last of us. The first last, part yeah. one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that game. Yeah. Uh, so you know, with everybody speaking so highly of it, but it not being an experience that I had, um, I was very much looking forward to uh, Last of Us Two because I figured either they'll show me what happened in some sort of like flashbacky thing, or I can go YouTube the ending or whatever, like. I'll be able to get myself caught up to try this game, assuming mm. that it's going to kind of carry on where the other game left off. And I'm having second thoughts. So as somebody who played the first game, I was wondering if mm-hmm. your love of the first game was enough to carry you through the the kind of uh, initial review period. <laughs> uh, it has. Yeah, it has. I think, uh, and I've had this conversation on uh, Zombies in my podcast where Lou, uh, my co-host, has no interest in the sequel and i think these reviews uh, when i talk to him later did this week, he enjoy the first one was he did he like, very much he, oh okay uh, okay to, to the point where it was it was he considered it a, a a perfect story to the point where it had a beginning middle end and what made that ending so great is the possibility of it never being followed up on in the sense that they've placed this 
world these characters in in a specific state where it's more interesting if you leave it alone and oh, okay uh, so the first one very much felt like a, a fully realized yes like world it didn't have like the the post-credit season scene like horizon did that was no. like oh this is our setup for the sequel like it was like this is the story that we're telling and now we're done I mean, but now they've made a sequel. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, it's like uh, The Walking Dead. If they sunset on season five um, and even if they sunset and it's like, hey, uh, these characters survived and this is somewhat of a happy ending. But, you know, the zombies are still out there. You know, the world is still shit. People are still shit. Uh, things can go wrong. Things can go right. So there's still more stories to tell there. But. I think in the way they told that story and the way they wrapped it up, a lot of people felt that to continue it would be a nearly impossible feat. And okay. I think where, when I look at the sequel, uh, I am uh, at uh, to, the, uh, to the opposite of Lou, where Lou's like, eh, I don't think they can continue it in a way that is going to make make it interesting. So he's, I'm going to play it and, and let him know how it goes. And he's the type of person who's going to go out and probably read all the stuff and be uh, and, and spoil some stuff to understand uh, whether whether uh, he needs to play it or not but for me i'm i'm kind of like on the opposite side where it's like i kind of trust this developer naughty dog to uh tell a story if they if they had a story that was worthy of telling they were going to make a game and i think that was the that was the articles that came out after the first one was like is there going to be a sequel it's a massive hit you know, uh, if, if anything, Sony would con contract you to do it. And they, in, you know, at the time they said, we have no plans for a sequel, but if a story came up that we needed to tell or wanted to tell, then we would do a sequel. And recently they've, they've talked about it in that the easy way out would have been to tell of last of us sequel set elsewhere in the country with completely different characters and completely different mm -hmm. scenarios but that felt like a cop-out felt like a great way to continue a game in that universe in that style but also kind of a uh, a letdown in the sense that the true challenge would have been to create a sequel and again like you said i haven't played the sequel all we know is what uh, people are saying that have played it um i'm i'm just looking forward to seeing if they've done that if they've successfully created a sequel and um it sounds like they have uh in in terms of the story like a lot of people say it is very much a, a solid follow-up but the brutality of of the combat the violence um that seems to be what's making it through sort of my uh my stay away from uh from content until i've played it uh so it is a little alarming that some of like what isn't coming through is like oh but it's got some really great heartwarming moments which the first mm -hmm. game did have it's got some really comedic elements which the first game did have and and that that is a little alarming because some of my favorite moments in the first one was some of the character interactions between you know ellie and joel and uh ellie and other you know uh kids that that appeared in the game and the way joel talked to some other characters so I, i'm a little um i mean maybe people are staying away from that because the thing they feel they need to talk about is how how brutal and punishing the game is but i'm looking forward to to experiencing it myself but i'm also like kind of you know uh, what if it's really bad <laughs> you know <laughs> like what if it's so bad i can't finish it even though i kind of want to <laughs> you know yeah. i don't know it's it's tough uh i guess we'll see i, I do have it pre-ordered um 
it's preloading uh hopefully not right now but um <laughs> you know <laughs> oh, sound... what do you need the internet for right now yeah, i mean you're not doing a... anything important <laughs> just an audio podcast uh, so if yeah. i sound crunchy or i guess in this instance if jocelyn sounds crunchy <laughs> probably my fault uh but i am gonna play it and i'll talk about it next week and we'll see if it uh if it lives up to the not only the first one but also like whether it's yeah, gonna be able to make it through me playing video games in terms of like man this is really this is really really violent i don't know if i i don't know i i, I think maybe that's also why i stayed away from the content like the the trailers and stuff because they were leaning more into that violence and and there was like one of the trailers had stuff with dogs and stuff and i was like and then and then i saw a bunch of articles about dogs in the game and i'm like i don't know guys <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i want to read this let alone play it so i'm well i look cautious. forward to seeing yeah i mean because obviously you've pre-ordered it you're mm -hmm. gonna give it a try at least so i look forward to your impressions because i feel like well i mean after 400 plus episodes you have a pretty good handle on games that i'm gonna like and games that i'm not gonna like so i feel like you're gonna be able to tell me if i should you know maybe steer clear of this one or not so i mean it might be the second Last of Us that I'm missing out on, you guys. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I trust your judgment, Ryan, and I look forward to hearing what you have to say uh, next week. So uh, before we get into the news tonight, though, we do have one more game to talk about. We both uh, had spent some time in ESO Greymore, which is uh, Skyrim, and we haven't actually really talked about it on the show yet. Ooh. So, Ryan... Tell me, because I've been I've been dipping in and out of ESO for years, so it's, yes. it's you know the actual game itself is nothing new to me. So I'm curious to know because this was your first time really in in ESO since like before the la um the one Tamriel update, right? So yeah. before like things scaled to your level, before you could like party up and do stuff with people that weren't at your level, like pre all the expansions it's been a long time so mm -hmm. so tell me like obviously skyrim them putting skyrim in eso was a big part of you like sparking your interest and in getting you back in the game but what did you actually experience and like how did it feel to be back in eso i think uh when it comes to elder scrolls online um the one thing i was really surprised about was uh i wasn't really anticipating those feelings of of nostalgia uh in in terms of walking through skyrim and when you play and boot up graymore the intro when you start a character through the tutorial there is is very much an homage to the intro to to skyrim proper where you're in the cart and you're in with other prisoners and there's that exchange there while you're on the cart um so there's a lot of these nods to to skyrim and skyrim isn't a isn't a game where it's like Oh, we're referencing something from twenty-five to thirty years ago. This is a this is a game that came out a, a decade ago and then came out every year since then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like yeah. a lot of people. Them making first Skyrim is not a surprise, really. <laughs> no, I'm surprised it took this long. It's almost like okay, once we get this uh, Skyrim game out on the Switch, then we can put it into Elder Scrolls. I know everyone wants it <laughs> as an expansion, but it's got to be on the Switch first. Uh, and and I think where where I didn't see what a lot of people are seeing like a few you know most people who play elder scrolls online have some you know affinity to the to the franchise so when they did morrowind people were all like oh man it's it's the morrowind i remember and yeah you're 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 building up 
you know, cities and locations that were originally in an Xbox game. So there's probably a lot of sort of work that goes in to take those original designs. And, and I don't even know if they, they use the original Xbox sort of designs to kind of punch them up. But they very much so did in Greymore, where I was walking into Solitude and then wondering why Solitude sounded so familiar, the name of the town. And it's the first town you come to but also recognizing the streets and the shops and the tower you walk past as you're coming through. And wasn't it kind of interesting to like go into a brand new expansion of a video game and already know your way around the main town? It like, was, <laughs> I don't know what I expected, it was cool. but, but it was super cool. And, and again, I don't know what I expected going in. Like if I expected it to be completely foreign, even though it's based on one of the most popular elder scrolls games and and it is very much a connected universe in the sense that it's not this isn't a separate elder scrolls it's still that universe that world except maybe a, i think it's a thousand years before and yeah uh, it's way before the events of actual like skyrim the single player game that yeah. we played you know all those years ago so it's the same physical location but it takes place in obviously the era of ESO, which is like you say, a thousand years before um, the modern the Skyrim title yeah. that we played, and and I think like from an architecture standpoint, it works really well because everything did look like a lot fresher and a lot newer, and and I'm very much scratching scratching the surface where, uh, you know, like an MMO, I think we all were trying to start you, I, and Jim try to start around the same area. And I think the first night we played, we were pretty close together and doing like the main quest. And then obviously it kind of falls apart as everyone has different schedules. So I am trying to go back in and do the main campaign sort of on my own time. Um, but yeah, just it was wild to jump back into that world, knowing how much time I put into the original uh, Skyrim. So I'm finally, I feel like I'm finally experiencing what a lot of people might have experienced when they played the Morrowind expansion where they mm -hmm. had this, this, this feel of nostalgia and, and really the closest thing to it that I, that I've had in this specific, you know, game to MMO scenario would be probably World of Warcraft in playing Warcraft three and seeing, or at least experiencing towns and locations and then experiencing them in the MMO and, and seeing that, that how they took the RTS and moved it in into the mmo that one probably it takes a lot more sort of you know extrapolation to build but in this one it's uh it's really it's really neat how they captured skyrim they they really went for it and uh and in a great way like even the music beats that pop in is very skyrim like the accents are all fantastic uh you know you love that uh, i think it's like a, kind of a a european swedish style accent all the characters yeah the nords yeah the nords yeah <laughs> yeah so that works really well and, and i mean we played a bunch of dungeons with uh we jumped in and just did dungeons they weren't like Graymore specific but it was cool to do some uh some elder scrolls group content uh which was yeah because i think that is the one thing that i will say about eso is that if you're going to be questing i feel like eso is better on your own mm -hmm. and the only reason that i say that is because there is so much voice acting and people can you know like play at different paces so like we had um one person in our party that seemed to you know not wait for the voice acting but just kind of like read through get the gist and want to go and then like me because i didn't want to hold anybody up i was like listening to the voice acting but not clicking on any of the like 
tell me more like additional info. Like I was just sticking to the very specific, like tell me what I need to do for the next quest. And then like the two of us would finish and then there would be Ryan. And Ryan was like, <laughs> obviously listening to all the voice stuff and, you know, doing all the uh, clicking on everything that was, you know, not grayed out and available to him, which, you yep. know, are that's Skyrim. The... That's how I played Skyrim. <laughs> exactly. And it's kind of like the three different uh, approaches to going mm. through a a quest oriented game and especially one like ESO where it is so immersive and there's so much voice acting and there's a lot of work that's been put in to make those quests really interesting and engaging so I mean I I kind of felt bad because I was like I want to hang back I want to click all the extra stuff I want to listen to all the voices but I don't want to hold anybody up so then I was just kind of like going through and like missing stuff um and uh yeah so anyways I feel like questing like doing storylines like the main storyline is probably best done alone because it also instances you right so like basically um my like my quest givers and stuff are are or aren't there depending on how far like i mean there was when we first started playing together you and Jimmy were standing there going, oh, yeah, there's a quest right here. Let's just do whatever this is. And I was like, I can't see that, dude. There's nobody there. So, uh -huh. you know, like the the version of Skyrim that you're in is going to be different depending on where you are in the main quest line. And so I feel like that's best experienced on your own. And then going out and finding side quests is probably interesting to do with a group because they are much more like one play sessions worth of content. And then, uh, like you said, we went and did dungeons and that was my first dungeon and it seemed chaotic, but in a kind of cool way in like a, I want to learn how to do this to the level that I know how to execute things in World of Warcraft because WoW, especially WoW rating was super chaotic to me at first. And now I'm like, I can recognize spell effects from all the different classes. Like I know where people are supposed to go. Mm -hmm. I know voice cues from NPCs and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I don't have that level of familiarity with ESO. So and plus ESO has a lot of like active combat as opposed to the click it and forget it combat of WoW. So it was so chaotic and crazy but also really, really cool and fun. So like, I really like doing dungeons and I want to get better at them and I want to do them like at, I guess, the level they were intended for. Cause we basically, they're made for four people. We went in with three people. Mm -hmm. One person was like geared like crazy and max level and then kind of carrying the other two of us through, uh, through content that was meant from like the original vanilla ESO game so before they did any expansions and uh, it was super fun but I wouldn't mind doing something that maybe we had to go through a little bit slower that was a little bit more challenging because I definitely felt like it was like speed run speed run speed run mm -hmm. and it's like this isn't really what the true dungeon experience would necessarily feel like so that was yeah. kind of my takeaway from dungeons no I mean but that's it... the the group content was really good though I thought that was once we started running dungeons I had a lot better time playing with you guys than like trying to sync up our questing. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think it was mainly just being able to play because the first night we it felt like we, we were syncing in quests. But you're right. Like once you get off sync um, and I, I think I had this conversation with Jimmy as well. Like it feels like once we got off sync, like we might as well just 
if we're playing solo, we do quests. If we're playing together, we find something to do. And and I yeah. think um, before we did the dungeons, we tried to do the new um, world event. It's the Harrow Storms. Oh I think yeah, on. yeah, the storms. Yeah, which which felt even more like a like just um, that was even crazier. It was crazy. And and here's the thing: is uh, I just. Uh, I, it's like coming into an MMO is it's it feels like I'm visiting a game I maybe played, but but played years ago. So not only am I jumping into this MMO, I'm I'm jumping into an experience that ever requires so much attention. Like how does everything work? Like what's this thing do? Here's like sixty quests that are popping up in town. Like for every guild and every crafting and every you know I did scrying one night. I was like okay, let's start clearing some of these quests in solitude and it's like the um archaeology sort of uh, uh you know um trade so i did a bit of that and it's like there's just so and i know this is like ryan complains about mmos because i don't have enough time <laughs> well, no, but to I master mean, in, it <laughs> in eso specifically there is quite a lot of that yeah. because in like warcraft say and this this was my like yay eso boo warcraft but from someone with your perspective like coming into the game later and also you know like being a little bit overwhelmed i think the warcraft model would be better but like my excitement with eso was all the choice but that can definitely be overwhelming when you're coming to it and mm -hmm. you haven't been keeping up with it and all of a sudden you've got however many like five six however many years eso has been out when you have all of that content to catch up on it can absolutely be overwhelming especially since there isn't a whole lot of information outside of like the main quest marker is a different like shape it's not like the normal little like uh arrow pointing down sort of thing um so it is slightly different but it's like you have just so much on your um like your compass and stuff and your mini map being like there's quests here there's quests here there's quests here it's like oh my god what do i do hmm. um and since you can literally do every single crafting profession you can do every gathering profession you can do um all of the guilds like you don't you don't ever have to choose and stick to one whereas in warcraft like you get two <laughs> yeah. professions there's lots of professions in the game but you get to pick two and that's all you do on that character and everything else is like blocked content to you whereas in eso it's like here is everything the game has to offer it's even like that in terms of like your class builds and stuff it's like here's everything in the game you can possibly do make whatever combination is fun for you and you're just like i don't even know what's going to be fun like i have no idea this is insanity so yeah. and i, I totally feel you <laughs> i was feeling it where i'm jumping in and and there is everything available to you and there is a crown store and i do have crowns but like i don't know what i should buy do i buy loot crates do i buy a horse and and i think where um the 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 times i have played where i've enjoyed it the most was either um, uh, having someone guide, so having Jimmy guide us, like, well, let's do this stuff, and you can just travel to me, and then we'll do this dungeon. You experience dungeons, and and oh yeah, having Jim as a guide was amazing. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, it was uh, so good. Just having our ESO sort of uh, follow me up this path. I know the secret way to experiencing ESO, and Did you'll you enjoy just it. Call him an NBC. <laughs> uh, I mean, like he, yeah, maybe, <laughs> but he. <laughs> He was much more interesting than that one lady in that one dungeon who was just kept going on and on and on. And I mean, this is the thing, like it is all voice acted, but, uh, you know, some of it doesn't, some of it, some of the extra stuff probably didn't need to be like 
all of it voice acted. Like it's great. It's great. It's all great voice acting, but there's a lot. And I think it was another one of my comments is like, yeah, they really, they really voice acted everything, like everything. <laughs> and uh, I think when I'm playing by myself, I think that's where uh, the main quest. I think I have to put blinders on and just ignore everything around it and just enjoy the main quest. But even then, like I've got these things in my peripheral vision that are popping up of like well here's the skills we suggest but there's also like 60 other skills and if you switch your weapons there's like another skill you can get and it's it's very overwhelming and there um there was a beginner's guide that was linked that i did sort of read through and tried to sort of understand but i think that's where um when i look at wow i've got this like 10 years of experience with that game where when i do jump back in every two years for an expansion um it's like you're you're recertifying, you know, like I oh I gotta I gotta resubscribe to WoW for the new expansion so I can keep my certification of knowing how to play this MMO. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whereas with ESO is it's like you're jumping into the into the final exam with with, with no experience. <laughs> and um and I and it's more on me than the game. I will admit that because I just I I can't I, I tried. I tried to read through the guide like while the kids are, you know, and dinging around with some lego blocks or something and i'm like okay i'm gonna read this and then someone comes over and it's like it's very in-depth and i'm trying to figure it out it's like okay well what if i choose like this uh character and this class and um i think i just have to put blinders on and enjoy it because i very much am enjoying the the skyrim nature of it and the main quest is really interesting with like vampires and sort of uh good vampires bad and vampires and, and yeah cults, yeah. yeah it's very interesting it's very good and, and i think the the main feedback that's always come back to me from uh from eso and 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 sort of shared with me is that yeah it is like another elder scrolls game that you get to enjoy as a single player game there are the mmo trappings there's group content but really there is this great uh quest that allows you to explore these worlds that you love right so I think that's why I need to get back in and, and, and play more of it in, in that uh, way. Me too, for sure. And I mean, I look for, I'm, I'm actively trying now to get my character up to max level because I do want to experience a lot of that game that I'm, I've been totally missing out on. Cause I've just been kind of bumming around. I think I've got like five or six characters now that like, are level 25 or under because I just kind of keep playing through some stuff. I'll do a few quests and then be like, oh, what if I started a druid? Oh, what if I started a sorcerer? Oh, now I'm going to be a dragon knight. What about a paladin? <laughs> like I just I'm literally all over the map. So I think uh, I, I would like to kind of try a character and stick with it and uh, move forward through the content because I think there's so much more that ESO has to offer that I haven't even tried yet at all in the entire history of the game. So Skyrim is definitely the thing that's going to make me kind of stick to it and mm. uh, and make my way through, especially now that, you know, WoW is between expansions. So it's definitely, you know, on the downturn in terms of my interest levels. So I'm looking forward to uh, putting more time into Skyrim, you know, 400 episodes later. <laughs> like, how is this a thing that I'm saying? But it, it is. shouldn't have surprised anyone <laughs> yeah. uh, that we, 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 we both jump back in. I, I remember... Yeah, it's just it's uh it's a game that that really and that world and and just the characters and I think uh, even though this is set a thousand years before, I, again I come back to the fact that I was I was so surprised that 
they were able to capture it even though you know like oh it's it's a game related to this but it's a thousand years before it's like okay great so it's not gonna have any of the characters that i like any of the locations i like but really like a thousand years in elder scrolls is not uh is not a crazy feat like you know buildings last that long there are some characters that live that long like it's it's not unheard of so it is really really cool that they're able to connect them in in some fashion even if it's just slight nods mm-hmm. absolutely so if you guys do enjoy the content that we produce we are still looking for our june patron you can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in if you would like to support the show that brings us to our news this week and ryan you're going to tell us all things about Bungie and what they're doing for the next three years of Destiny 2. So I didn't actually play Destiny or Destiny 2. Mm-hmm. So like all of this is Greek to me. But, you know, Ryan, you've been you've been in there. You've been playing around. So tell me what the next three years looks like after Bungie had like <laughs> cast off the shackles <laughs> of Activision. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, what are they doing so with that freedom? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if this is Greek to you, it's kind of like French to me. I understand a little bit of it. I could speak a little bit of it, but I'm going to sound probably a bit of a like a bit of an ass so um there are people out there that 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 know a lot about destiny and what i'm going to talk about is just like just the bare bones of what was announced because i thought it was just so um unique in this in this in this field right this not only is this a a console mmo an action mmo but there is a pc variant to it but it involves a company uh having a, a a really structured publishing deal with activision you know, if we think EA is evil, like Activision is like a couple of circles of hell below that. And um, when Bungie, you know, got away from Activision, there was talk of what that meant for Destiny 2. They leaned more into it expansions as opposed to full number sequels. And they had a sort of a, a Destiny, you know, the future of Destiny sort of video presentation. And I was surprised by how much they're actually uh you know projecting in terms of in into the future but also talking about how their game is going to change going forward and the core things about that were that they announced obviously another expansion coming this fall called beyond light which is going to pull a character from the very first game uh, a story that was haphazardly told and then dropped they're bringing back that character and uh picking up that story uh and and running with it so that was really exciting that they're bringing back that character because i did dig destiny one in its story so i'm really and i was bummed that they dropped it because i thought it was going places that was interesting and i think they're they're swerving back towards it now and, and and able to tell that story but they also unveiled expansion titles and and feelings and motifs for next year and the year after so you've got a expansion like not just saying this is when we're going to release the content but this is what the content's going to be called and this is what the content's going to be themed around uh well it was very much um so here's an example here so uh the year five content which is going to be called um what is it called i think it are was, we uh, coming up to year five of destiny 2 oh my god isn't that not crazy yeah i was thinking about that and and uh destiny one came out in 2014 because i remember playing it what? Uh, yeah i remember oh playing god, it the... ryan where have the last like 10 years of our lives gone like honestly i you know what <laughs> they say it goes it goes fast uh and uh those people all right it goes quick so yeah destiny 2 i remember destiny came out in 2014 because i remember the night uh before my wedding 
uh, Matt was logging into Destiny to get a specific weapon, <laughs> or at least was talking about it. And I remember the reason I, I that tracks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the reason Destiny sort of uh, I I ended up playing a lot of it by myself is because I ended up coming to the game about a month later because I was busy with wedding stuff. But you know, and then Destiny Two came out I think two years later, and uh, yeah, this is so right now we're in year we're coming up on into year four of Destiny with Beyond Light. And then what they did was for the future expansions, they gave obviously a lot of information about Beyond Light, but for the expansions coming out in 2021 and 2022, they unveiled titles as well as uh, sort of the, I'll call it a splash screen, but really that splash screen gives a lot of information or a, a, a solid nod to where that content's going. They're basically talking about what the next three years and what the story is most likely going to be in terms of tracking. Like they're, they're alluding to the big baddies coming back, the darkness, and that's going to start in beyond light. And then uh, the witch queen is sort of in connection to a very popular expansion, which was the taken King um, for, uh, for destiny one. So they're, they're bringing back that storyline and then light falls looking like, it could be the culmination of all this where the darkness and the light are finally going to battle it out. Um, so I thought that was so very why, interesting. Why do you think that they're doing this? Because there is no other game that I play. Like mm-hmm. everyone pretty much is doing roadmaps now. But uh, just because there's so many of these games that are like games as a service, right? So they want to give you a reason to invest in their experience over everybody else's. But most of them are keeping the overall stories and themes super, super vague. Like they're saying, okay, you can expect, you know, well, I'll use the Hearthstone one as an example. They're like, okay, we split the year into three phases, phase one, two, and three each have an expansion. And then Mm -hmm. within each phase, you know, this in phase two, you're getting a new game mode in phase three, you're getting new single player, like I blah, 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 blah. There's there were lots and lots of things, some of them hidden, even like without a description, just to say like there are, you know, four things in the third phase of the year that we're not even prepared to put a label on like new game mode. So um, like they've been extremely vague with Mm -hmm. what's actually coming, but they're kind of giving you a, a content layout of how much you can expect in that phase, but no hints as to what it actually is. And a lot of them, um, like Dead by Daylight, is very is very similar, where they're like, here are all the quality of life features that we're working on and where we think they're going to land in terms of the year. But, you know, it's not like they're telling us who the next killer is going to be. Mm. Like, you know, they're not going into that level of detail. So why do you think that that was a choice that Destiny made? Well, I think um, when you look at video games as a whole, it's a very secretive industry, right? And um, as we come more and more into these games as a service, what works for me and I think might work for a lot of folks is uh, creating incentive to stick around, creating excitement for the future. And I think the best example that I've seen, and it's not an easy thing. You can't just lay out a five-year roadmap and be like, all right, let's make billions. But um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and movies in general do this really well where they they say like, we're now entering into production on this title. So you know exactly what movie's coming out in three years and, and you're going to be able to watch it. Like we know the Witcher season two is happening. It's not a secret until a week before launch. And it's like, surprise, here's season two, three years later. 
Uh, so with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they say, here's our five-year roadmap. Here are the titles and maybe a splash screen. And then from that, you can sort of extrapolate that like, oh, Captain America Civil War is going to be about the Civil War arc. And, and we're going to get to experience these characters in these moments. But now, like that's an adaptation. That case, but... Yeah, I was going to say, in that case, like the Marvel Universe, like those stories have been, even if the movies deviate from them, mm -hmm. like those stories, those plot lines happened in the comics, right? So in Destiny's case, like this is all like they're creating their own universe, right? They're not pulling Destiny from anything else. No. Correct? It is their yeah, own universe, so, yeah. So yeah, again, like I, I wonder why they feel the need to go three years in advance and be like, okay, yeah, this is where we're going. This is what story we're telling. Um, like are I'm I'm interested to know, like are there like subscriber numbers falling off? Are there are they worried about people losing interest? Like I think the, what, this is just so unprecedented yeah. to, to not only give a roadmap for that length of time, because like the longest I've seen for the majority of games, I don't remember one off the top of my head. that has been longer than like the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. Like everything seems to be in a year. And then, you know, Bungie comes in and goes, OK, here's three years and the stories that we're telling and the names of our expansions. Like that seems crazy. Well, you know, being a secretive industry um doesn't help in in the, especially as a games as a service when uh bungie as a company says we're also making this other game like um you know uh movie no one bats an eyelash when disney says they're making 30 movies but when a company says they're making uh, some companies have a certain you know um, uh, capacity say they're making two games well, to the general public, that may mean, okay, well, Destiny 2 is no longer a thing and this new project is going to be their main sort of mm. game. Like you, you you, stop making one game and you move on to the other. It's a very linear process, mostly when you have, I mean, we saw it with the PS5 announcements. Like, man, how many games is Insomniac making? Well, they have two teams, so they're making two. Um, but when it comes to Destiny, like Bungie's always been a one game studio, right? They work one to the other. And I think the in in the in the video in the stream that i watched like they were really trying to lay down the fact that like destiny 2 we're very committed to it here is our commitment to the next three years destiny 3 is not a a planned thing um and and that that was part of their announcement is like we don't want a numbered sequel we want to continue supporting destiny 2 and part of that saw them addressing the fact that the game is getting very bloated right so mm -hmm. it's it's a very big game and they talked about um the vault uh the destiny content vault so they're gonna start removing content from the game uh as we move forward and and kind of like uh netflix where each month they well here's all the new content but then here's all the stuff that's leaving uh and most likely won't won't be back but but could be back and the instance of uh an example of the destiny content vault they said okay like here's the stuff that's leaving but the first thing we're bringing back is um one of the uh, the vault of glass raid which was the first raid uh, that was in the first destiny and they're bringing it back at some point in year four and they're going to revamp it so kind of um kind of like uh, you know i think in world of warcraft an example would be some raids they pull back from i think they did one with wrath of lich king they brought back one from that and, and brought it into another expansion i i don't know for oh, certain you mean like time walking um no like um there was like an actual like remake of the dungeon i can't remember if they actually oh karazan maybe yeah maybe okay yeah i don't know wow very well but, but I, I, i'm sorry i'm just i'm trying to figure out exactly what you're talking about because they they did bring back old content in multiple ways so karazan was like 
a total remake of the previous, I think, Karazhan originally was a raid and they made it into like what they called a mega dungeon. Oh. Uh, so it was meant to be played by five people and um, they ended up like splitting it in half for all of their um, like competitive dungeon esports stuff. But um, but then they also did what's called time walking, which is basically like they brought all the old content for very specific, like one week at a time, they did a different expansion and it allows you to play one of the raids from the expansion as a raid team, or also you can queue in uh, for dungeons and they're all scaled up to what is now currently max level in Warcraft. So it's mm -hmm. like a raid that was meant for players at level 70 was scaled up to uh, like level 120 so that you could go in and have it be a challenging experience. So kind of like one's a rebuild, one's a one's a scaling up. <laughs> but they've yes. done both. So I think in this instance, they're talking about a rebuild. So they're bringing Vault of Glass and they're going to, you know, uh, revamp it for the current Destiny players. And they're going to keep doing that with the content vault. So when stuff goes away, it's like the Disney vault. Like it, it goes in the vault. It may come back at a later date uh, and it may see a, a polish or two, right? So I, I think they they really addressed, and, and I, this is the reason I wanted to kind of chat about it, is I, I think it's, like you said, it's very unique in the sense that video games don't do this. Um, we what, we've, what we are normally used to is like, here's the expansion and here's what's coming and it's out in a couple, like it's out next year, Um like wow does that a lot and yeah, in other instances yeah. like you get teasers like look at the last of us part two it was teased i was looking this up it was actually first teased in december 2016 right so sometimes you get teasers four years out sometimes you get you know trailers with the release date so this industry is very mixed up and i was it was very refreshing as a de if you were a, a hardcore destiny 2 player you would look at this and be like excited that you're you're basically getting a promise of content for the next three years and i think that's oh yeah that's like but the people that i follow on twitter that actually play destiny 2 were losing their minds mm -hmm. with this announcement i i was watching i'm like oh wow like yeah 2020 looks great and then they start flashing you know title cards for 2021 and 2022 i was like what are they doing this is yeah, like what is happening this is like the ending <laughs> of uh of uh you know uh 21 jump street you know or 22 jump street in this instance where they just start showing more title screens for the next movies and i'm like <laughs> okay is this a joke I, I i honestly thought they were joking really um but it's exciting um I, i'm i'm excited to see what they do with destiny 2 i'll probably check out beyond light i i'm really excited to see how they pick up the story from the first one um they even made a joke it was like oh everyone said we were done with this character but you know, screw those guys. We're we're bringing them back, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Except for Cade, he's dead. He is actually really dead. Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> Fillion, but uh, yeah. Anyways, I'm I'm excited. I I know. Uh, I, uh, it'll be it's it it'll be interesting to see. And I mean, um, a lot of companies you say like how how can you even think this far ahead and and stick to it? But again, like I think Bungie's very serious about Destiny too. Like they they wanted to show that, and I think they did sounds like uh so i think that's gonna do it for us this week guys thank you so much for listening if you'd like to join the conversation you can find us on discord where we are at bit.ly slash tgi discord uh you can also visit us visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com and don't forget to follow us over on twitter you can find me jocelyn and joss plays ryan is at r murphy and don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in thanks for staying at the gamers in remember tune in next week
Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Yeah.